You're listening to the Antos Podcast, where we explore the nature of stories in the pursuit of being and truth. I'm Vod. And I'm Mac. And our sentience depends on you. Now cue the intro music. There is something special about the number 16. For one thing, it was preservation's sign to mankind. Preservation knew, even before he imprisoned Ruin, that he wouldn't be able to communicate with humankind once he diminished himself. And so, he left clues. Clues that couldn't be altered by Ruin. Clues that related back to the fundamental laws of the universe. The number was meant to be proof that something unnatural was happening, and that there was help to be found. It may have taken us long to figure this out, but we eventually did understand the clue. Late though it was, it provided a much-needed boost. As for the other aspects of the number, well, even I am still investigating that. Suffice it to say that it it has great ramifications regarding how the world and the universe itself works. Yes, there are 16 medals. I find it highly unlikely that the Lord Ruler did not know of them all. Indeed, the fact that he spoke of several on the plates in the storage caches meant that he knew of at least those. I must assume that he did not tell mankind of them earlier for a reason. Perhaps he held them back to give them a secret edge, much as he kept back the single nugget of preservation's body that made men into misborn. Or perhaps he simply decided that mankind had enough power in the ten metals they already understood. Some things we shall never know. Part of me still finds what he did regrettable. During the thousand-year reign of the Lord Ruler, how many people were born, snapped, lived, and died, never knowing that they were missing, simply because their medals were unknown. Of course, this did give us some slight advantage at the end. Ruin had a lot of trouble giving Duralaming to his Inquisitors, since they'd need an Alamancer who could burn it to kill before they could use it. And since none of the Duralamine mistings in the world knew of their power, they didn't burn it and reveal themselves to ruin. That left most Inquisitors without the power of Duralamine, save in a few important cases, such as Marsh, where they got it from a Mistborn. This was usually considered a waste, for if one killed a Mistborn with hemolurgy, one could draw out only one of 16 powers and lost the rest. Ruin considered it much better to try to subvert them and gain access to all of their power. I have spoken of Inquisitors and their ability to pierce copper clouds. As I said, this power is easily understood when one realizes that many Inquisitors were Seekers. Therefore, their transformation, and that meant their bronze became twice as strong. There is at least one other case of a person who could pierce copper clouds. In her case, however, the situation was slightly different. She was both misborn from birth, and her sister was the Seeker. The death of that sister, and subsequent inheritance of power via the hemolurgic spike used to kill that sister, left her twice as good at burning bronze as a typical Mistborn, and that let her see through the copper clouds of a lesser Alamancers. <laughs> this is the biggest reveal I think I've ever gotten to experience in fantasy. Uh, this, okay, no, nope, I'm going to cut you right off, and I'm going to jump right into the chapters, and we can nerd out. Right after it's done. This is just gonna spend an hour and a half nerding out. This was it has a, been, this is a hundred plus episodes coming. Yeah, no, this was the moment. And we'll talk about it in a second. Alright. So chapter seventy one. Says its point of view. 
They're trying to find out if Vin really is the hero and what exactly Rune is planning. Sazed believes Vin to be the hero of ages. So the Conjurer do not know what the power at the well was exactly. They just knew that it was of preservation. Um, they describe oh, the creation myth. We get the whole creation myth that, that, that pres- Rune and preservation came together to create the world because they could not make people or the world without each other. The deal was preservation, you know, I mean, we saw this through the epigraphs, but the deal was preservation could create mankind and give them consciousness. And by giving them a little piece of himself, he made himself weaker than Ruin, enough for Ruin to eventually overcome him and destroy the world. And we learned very quickly, we were talking about it previously, that we were like, man, Ruin must have broke the deal. He's a bad person. No, preservation broke the deal. He d- he could not stand by and let Ruin kill mankind. So he broke the deal and tried to tried to prevent him. So Sazed goes through all the religions, and we can tell he's he's in full Sazed mode. This is full Sazed. Um, but he's still coming. He's like, is this really the truth? And the Chondra like body Sazed here perfectly because he he's being sad and he's trying to figure out what exactly is going on. And they go, It sounds like you're looking for a religion that requires zero faith out of its followers which you're literally never going to find. Like That's just, that's not a thing that exists. And, you know, Sazed is like, okay, well, tell me more about the first contract and stuff like this. And we get to learn the Lord Ruler's final piece of his plan. The Chondra, their contract was to work for ATM because it was their job to gather Ruin's body, which is the ATM. And we learn that in the center of this court, surrounded by metal, is the trust, which is what this part is called, uh, the book, the trust. And the trust is the Lord Ruler's ATM stash, what they've been looking for forever. It was the conjurer's job to find it. And the little bit that, that the Lord Ruler resists, or like, like let leak out into the world, he knew it was going to be burned away by Mistborn, so he didn't even have to worry about that. Or he got it back in taxes. Or he got it back in taxes. So, wow, that is just a crazy reveal here, that the Chondra were not only the original terrorist people, but that their job was arguably one of the most important and the Lord Ruler's last line of defense against Ruin. But again, was, it was right there in front of somebody. us. It was right there in front of us because they were like, oh, we only do contracts. That's like our only thing we do. Also, we only take ATM as As payment. payment. Yep. And they always talked about being the Lord Ruler's servants and things like that. And it's like, oh, it was just so good. Now, this chapter ends with Tenzun's point of view. And we learned that the world's truly coming to an end. This is it. This is the end. The land, the, the land has split, and there's literally rivers of lava flowing now because everything's coming up. The world, the world's done. We're at the end. We're in the end game, and that is the end of chapter seventy-one. Seventy-two, Vince and Lufidel, and he, she feels twelve misborn presence around her, which we know are twelve inquisitors. She is giving them a little chase. We talked about it in the last episode or last two episodes. My the perfect parallel of Kelsier telling the telling the Inquisitor, you know, now it's time for a little chase. And Vin saying the exact same thing as she baits all of Rune's Inquisitors into Luthadel. Her plan is to 
be as desperate as she possibly can be because it's only in those times that she's been able to pull in on the mist and, and use them. We see 12 Inquisitors plus Marsh, so 13 in total, but Marsh is like Omega Inquisitor. He has 20 plus spikes him at this point. He's the most powerful Inquisitor there. I think at some point someone said, they mentioned he's basically another Lord Ruler. He's essentially another Lord Ruler, yeah. And so Marsh takes a step back and she fights the 13, 13 Inquisitors. She's able to kill one, but even with all of it, even with everything, she has an insane fight sequence. Which, by the way, we talk about this. How good is Vin? Because, like, when we had the mind blowing Kelsier versus Inquisitor moment in Final Empire, that was a one on one. Here's her Here versus is, 12. Yep, straight up. And she's able to kill one without, without anything special happening. She's just fighting. So. She ends up doing that, and then she uses a Duralum and Steel push to kind of save herself, and then she's out of metal. And she's like, Mist, I'm ready. And when she tries to pull them in, the Mist pull away from her, and she's abandoned, and she's going to die. Marsh is standing over at this point, and we get his point of view. He's breaking her legs. He talks about he breaks each of her fingers individually. Ruin is interrogating her, trying to figure out where the ATM is. Because she's still lying that she knows. We get Marsh's point of view, and he's talking about how he hates this and how, you know, he's he he was a fool. He never he would have never been able to kill himself. Like it, it makes no sense why he thought that. And then he remembers what Spook sent. It got control of me through a method I wasn't expecting. Metal. A little sliver of metal piercing my body. With that, it was able to twist my thoughts. And it's with that moment he looks down and we see Ven's earring. And with the last second of control, the little bit of time, because Marsh was going into a blood frenzy. He was, he was so enamored with wanting to kill Ven. And we learned through the epigraphs that that's the only split second they have autonomy. Marsh uses that to yank Ven's earring out. And with that, the mist flood into her. And she is able to start to fight back. Ruin's voice in her head immediately disappears. And a voice tells her, the mist protect you. The mist are of preservation. The mist give you power. And with that, she's able to catch Marsha's arm. And that's the end of 72. 73, we get Tensoon's point of view. And the mist have changed at this point. The mist in the entire sky, everywhere, is starting to flow to Luthadel. We get Breeze's point of view, who's freaking out because all the mist and Ortur are all flowing to Luthadel. And at this point, Spook comes running and panicking and tells everyone that they have to get into the caverns now. And then we get Ellen's point of view, and there's him and Hammer fighting the Coloss. And the mist start to be pulled. And all the Coloss freak out and start to run. And they all start running towards Lucidel. We back up to Vin's point of view. And let's just say, I'm not going to even try to try to play this out, but uh, she pulls the mist in and she kills all 12 Inquisitors. When it, all of them but Marsh. Whenever people talk about, oh, I think Mistborn could be an anime, 
this is where I like imagine it because I think of this like there's a there's a scene in this fight where she's like over Critic Shaw and she looks down and she just steel pushes down on all the Inquisitors and their spikes just like take them down and the entirety of Critic Shaw collapses from her push. Mm-hmm. And I get to see that like, you know, scene where it's like zoomed in on her and she does the move and then it zooms out. And it does it three more times and you just see it's like an explosion where they all fly out. Yep. Ah, dude. I mean, we're talking about how when she pulled in on the mist the first time, she was able to pull the bracers out of the Lord Ruler. She's straight up pulling spikes out of the Inquisitors like they're nothing, just yanking them out with her with her ability. It is crazy how powerful she is with the mist. And she goes over to Marsh after having killed all of them. Marsh's body's badly broken, and Vin walks over and yanks out one of his spikes in his eyes with her hands. And Marsh is excited. He's finally going to die. He's finally going to die. He no longer has to serve Ruin. But before she can pull the second one out to kill him, the mists finish collapsing into her, and she just disappears into nothing. And that's the end of 73. The biggest reveal in fantasy. This is the biggest reveal I've ever had. This was when I fell in love with Brandon Sanderson's writing. I kept, I kept trying to tell you to finish the dang series. This, this <laughs> one moment, this set of chapters, these three chapters sold Man. me on the Cosmere um, because the payoff, the buildup, that everything is right in front of you is all there. If you've been listening to us at all, we have mentioned every single time she's been wearing her ring and Reen's voice her comes earring. up. And, and I want to point out. I want to point up some of the big ones. I want to point out some of the big ones we get in these epigraphs early on. That it says, "Why couldn't the Inquisitors take up the power for ruin?" Well, it's because they were they had too many hemorrhagic spikes. They couldn't do it. What does Vin do the minute she goes in? She has to tear off her earring because it's it's literally killing her when she's trying to it's enter the well her. of ascension. Yes, so, so she, she has, has to, to rip yank it out. Her earring out when she's in the well of ascension. Ascension, and so. My gosh! In the first, in the first, oh and, man! In Final Empire, you know, she's she comes in, and we look at from the very beginning in like chapter like three, she has to go and grab her belongings, and the only thing she takes with her is the bronze earring that her mother gave her, and she wears it all the time. She wears. Everyone's like, "You want to get she, better jewelry than that?" No, no, I'm just gonna wear this stud. You know, she she describes how her mother killed her sister with the earring and then gave it to her and it was like some dis- it, was, it was like she's like it's like some disgusting gift that she gave to me you know so i can't get rid of it mark don't want to get rid of it as the favorite you know that's why she killed my sister and then we get you know, let's get to the big one where the lord ruler push steel pushes her so hard her earring rips out and that's why the mists were able, able to, to flow into, into the mist and mm-hmm. this is the thing is it spelled out Every single time. And what's hilarious, as I mentioned in our spoiler episodes uh, about Hero of Ages, as I kept saying, it's hilarious how they go, oh, there's only one instance where, you know, people were able to pierce copper clouds. Uh, and that's just uh, with the Inquisitors. Oh, and Vin, for some reason, we don't know. Uh, it's obvious why the Inquisitors would have that ability, because they had hemallergic spikes. And those hemallergic spikes made it stronger. Um, and then there's Ven for reasons we don't know. And it, it would be like literally like the next chapter after they would mention it. It'd be like, and Ven can just keep piercing coffer clouds. And I can't figure out why. 
as she pick, picks at her earring. And it's like... And then, and, then, and then Spook gets pierced by a piece of metal and can see Kelsier. And we learn that that's Rune influencing him. But it's fine that Rune's just being Reen and talking to Vin this entire time. And we find out that Zane heard voices whenever he was spiked, you know? And that the voices were real. Uh, like, And that was at least and then, spread out. But like still... Then we hear Zane, we hear God in Zane's head tell her, tell him, of course I didn't want you to kill her. Right. And then, yeah. uh, and then what was this? When was the second time she was able to pull onto the mist? When she took her earring out and shot it into Marsha's head. And yep. then she could pull into the mist for some reason we can't understand. In the very next chapter, she has her earring in her ear again. Um, and it's all human, spell hum, human. Humans talking to her, and human goes, I can sense it. The mist hates you like it hates me. It doesn't and like what is human? He's spiked. The hemologic hemologic creation. Yes. And we also see like she has the earring with her. She's walking to the well of ascension, and the women are curling away from her, which could also mm-hmm. have been because the you know preservation didn't want her to go, but you know, odds no, are it's probably it, it, because it she was, has a spike. Yeah, it, it was the spike, 100%. And it's um, like again and again and again. It they he told you the rules. He told you exactly how it works. And from the very beginning, he beat you over the face with it. And still, it's one of the greatest reveals and one of the greatest payoffs in fantasy. I've never, See, you never claim, even heard you, of it. That's it's something you like claim, this. You claim it's the greatest. And, you know, next week, I think we're going to actually be revealed to the greatest, at least in my opinion. This is number two at a solid point for me. Okay. There is a number one that we're going to learn of next week. But this, that is but this, but this thing, but this is, here's the thing. This thing was i mean yes okay in terms of payoffs there's still like some fantastic things ahead of us so i'm not going to get back past that but this was the one time where it was beat in your face so Mm -hmm. obviously so you know it it was just right there in front of you the whole time just like spooks you know when he got hemolurgy done to him it's like he went right through his heart went right into his shoulder just like in the pre the prologue it's like it was right there in front of you the whole time. He tells yep. you exactly how the magic system works, then does that thing right in front of your face. And I can confidently say I'm not just a dumb dumb in saying that I was I didn't see it. Yeah, and the cool part about it is recently I've been seeing on Reddit there's been a ton of people who have been finishing the Final Empire recently and I love seeing their post. And a couple of people are actually super clever and I've caught on to it where they they describe things and they're like, I'm getting, my favorite one was there was a post where he was like, I'm getting really afraid right now uh, because I just saw, I just re- it was just revealed that Kelsier was actually ruined and all I can think about is how Reen keeps talking to Vin. And I was like, ooh, you're there. And then, well, you're there. And, but the funny thing is, is that even if you're clever enough for that, I mean, I didn't see this specific post, but I'll bet you, that they were clever enough to figure that out and then they get revealed, oh yes, the voice was Reen. And they don't go, ah, it must have been because she has a spike in her. And the funny, and, and again, maybe they are. They're probably, they're, I'm not going to say there are people who aren't clever who, who didn't figure it out because I'm not the smartest person in the world. But a lot of people miss this. Yeah. And, I mean, uh, yeah. and I know that people get so excited when they're like, oh my gosh, it was right there the whole time. Um, I I also feel like it really depends on is this your first introduction to the Cosmere? Because this was my first introduction and yours. And so our muscles weren't there yet to recognize these things. This is again, I said so many times, it's why it's the perfect 
introduction into the Cosmere because it's a great story as a single book. It's a great story as a trilogy, and it's going to teach you to flex all the muscles because this is the promise Brandon makes. This is the promise we make, especially if you continue to follow us with the Cosmere. This is every series. Everyone. Like, this is every every series. And I'm not, I'm not going to say that, like, every series has, like, this much... Um... You know, screaming this obvious stuff that yeah. bits build up over. T- I'm sure. I'm sure Stormlight's going to lead to something like that. Like there are some bits in Stormlight, and there are definitely bits like that. But where you 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 put something in in like chapter two of the first book, and it's chapter seventy two of the third book that they go, yeah. "Did you see that?" And it was very well developed. Again. He explains everything to you. He didn't. It's not one of those. Oh, this came out of nowhere, and then later on we reveal like, oh yeah, hemorrhage is a thing and ruin. No, it was spelt out in detail through epigraphs, through characters, through events in the book. Mm-hmm. Like it kept happening again and again and again, and still it came out and it hit so hard. Let's talk more about more promises and payoffs that are just absolutely insane so let's start with marsh okay marsh has been written up this entire time as the character who gave up too early and we end up learning he actually is not the character that gave up too early he was the character that never gave up at this point he obviously did in the past but let's talk about this marsh this entire time in the very beginning of the book was like i'm going to kill myself and we used to think like you know i thought the entire book i thought there this was going to be a moment when this was happening I still hadn't realized the, you know, the earring yet up until it was said. And I was like, this is the moment March is going to panic and Vin's going to reach up and grab his spike and kill him. And Vin is going to have to like single-handedly taken out all the inquisitors or, or is going to like kill the, the main inquisitor essentially. And something's going to happen right now. Let's talk about the payoff here in the epigraphs leading up to this point. I can't remember which one exactly, but there was one in the last like 20 chapters where it straight up says, it would take a man of an incredible will who is an Inquisitor pierced by that many spikes to resist ruin for even a second. And what does Marsh do? One second is all it takes and yanks the earring out. What a, what a great promise payoff and everything up to this point. And here's my thing about that is that this normally would be a cliche. Like you would look at this and be like, it's a cliche. Of course, in the moment when things are terrible, the the hero do, or someone does something that's unexpected or whatever. But let me explain why this is earned. So the, I, I know Brandon's a fan of Tolkien. And Tolkien had this idea of um, catastrophe and you catastrophe. And with Tolkien, his understanding of like you catastrophe was like there's something big that comes up that even though it doesn't really make sense, it saves everything, right? And you could think of like the eagles. Um, But like, (laughs) you know, he was also talking about it, you know, and from, from, you know, his religion standpoint, uh, you know, that's, that was like a big part of it. Like everything's terrible, but here's the you catastrophe, right? And my thing is, is that even with Tolkien, it's like, you sometimes feel like, was that earned? Was it earned? Everyone, people argue about the eagles, right? You know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But here, the reason I feel like this was earned was because we see Marsh try to fight and he fails. We see him try to fight and he fails. And then we see him get this glimmer of hope when Vin is able to push past Ruin when she takes the uh, takes the mist for the second time. And he goes, oh, there is a point where I might be able to break through. 
and they Moon might be scared. able to lose. Yeah, he was scared. He's like, and then this is when he goes, I think I have a little more hope that my plan to do something at the very last second might still be able to come through. And he goes into this position and we learn that in a bloodlust that the Inquisitors and the Coloss have slightly more autonomy. And Ruin probably doesn't care because, you know, they're in a bloodlust. They're probably doing what he wants anyway. But Marsh mm -hmm. takes advantage of that and goes, I have just this slight movement that I can do really quickly as he's distracted, as I'm in a blood frenzy to, you know, take over this. And that's when it happens. And yep. that feels earned to me. That didn't come out of yeah. nowhere. That wasn't just. And then Marsh, with his will, able to overcome a god. No, it was these were built in as, you know, slight itty bitty flaws that, yes, someone of incredible strength who had to deal with this would have been able to take over. And we see that Marsh, like fueled by his regret of not, you know, stepping up when he was before he was an inquisitor, stepping up when yeah, Mare was alive is yeah, in that, here. In that moment, right before it happens, what is his what are, what are his thoughts? His thoughts were I gave up a year before the rebellion successfully overthrew the Lord Ruler. I gave up. And in this moment, I'm not going to give up again. And this this sense of hope, right? Like the thing is, is like any other Inquisitor, not only would they need like an incredible amount of power, they would often have to have to use it just the right moment, which he knew knew when the moment was because he knew it was a, mm. a, a you know in a blood frenzy, and they would need that kind of push. And if you imagine like Inquisitors have been there for so long, have been eaten up and just controlled, and they probably have just lost all sense of sanity, all sense of hope. Um, but he's been the one that experienced ruin in fear. He's been the one that experienced Vin's power. And so he had this sense of hope. He probably had this push. And there are probably other Inquisitors that probably would have, and maybe even did, break free for just that little split second, uh, only to get taken back into control. But they wouldn't have been able to do anything meaningful with it. He had it because he saw the message that he, those who are, spiked, who are spiked can't be trusted. And that's what Let's got him. Let's talk about that for a moment. Talk about payoffs again. We talked about the how characters come full circle. Captain Gorodel, the person that Vin spared in in essentially in the first book, ends up being the reason that our protagonist has a chance. He effectively saved the at, world at doing it. And no, I mean, yeah, I mean, he, if you know. If if everything gets pulled off, yeah, I can he say did. he doesn't get enough credit in the Cosmere communities. If you say no, Captain no, Gordell, I bet most people won't even remember. But I no, kept no. bringing him up because you reminded me of him in in the Final Empire. You're like, remember I, that guy Gordell? He's the one that carried the message. I was like, what? I don't even remember. Yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't appreciate it in the moment either. I thought it was just some random soldier, right? I thought it was just some random soldier, but. When I looked back and we were doing our reread um, before, like it was just it was in Well of Ascension, I think, is when I, I I pieced it together that who that was because we were like really realizing that who Brandon Brandon doesn't just like write away characters for nothing. Not if you and, name them. Yeah, not if you name them. But I was just sitting there going like, this guy. <laughs> no, I think I think it was in Final this Empire. Guy. Like you actually told me, hey, yeah, that guy yeah. she saved ended up doing this. 
And I was like, what? And so what happened is from then on out, I was like, I have to, you know, keep singing this guy's praises because every time Gordell gets mentioned, like throughout the throughout the books in our other episodes, I'm like, Gordell, Gordell, Gordell. But I think the reason most people forget that it was Gordell who did it was because in the moment when it happens, uh, they don't say his name. You know, nope. it's only in the chapter where Spook hands him the, or gets writes the message many chapters before this that he says yep. Gordell's going to take it. And again, this is a guy who's like basically, hey, I was ashamed of the fact that I did this. I'm a ska. You know, I really wanted to make a difference. I wanted to turn things around. You know, I wanted to he do made something a meaningful. And that's why he joined the rebellion. And there he is. You know, like, and again, if without him doing that, um, Marsh never knows about the about the metal. Marsh doesn't say Vin. Yep, and if he doesn't if he doesn't do that, then Vin isn't able to take up the miss. Um, and then you get to see her at like full power, which, again, one of the things I loved about Mistborn um, was no one ever gets nerfed, right? Like mm. everyone gets stronger as time goes on. And it all makes sense. Um, yeah, man, I could. I'm so happy with the way the power scaling went with this because I, you know, so many books fall into the whole idea of Dragon Ball Z, which is I just surpassed my limits. Look at me. But like in here, there is a legitimate reason why their limits were surpassed. Vin never really, you know, Vin, if you think about it, Vin never actually reached her limit. She just got more skillful. She actually never got there. How you know she could pierce copper clouds? Well, there's a legitimate reason why she could pierce copper clouds. It isn't because she's special. It like like special in the sense that then the character is special. Now we can't talk too much about it. We will in our will in our trilogy trilogy wrap up of you know this idea of what exactly the mist still is. Like we understand it a little bit here. But my, my, what I mean is is that like the mistborn that we met in Final Empire is still as strong as the mistborn that we have in Hero of Ages. Mm-hmm. And no one overcomes it. No one gets like an anti-Mistborn thing. Like, mm-hmm. no, the Inquisitors don't get weaker. Uh, if anything, Marsh becomes, you know, super strong Inquisitor later on. Um, just to show you like how powerful everyone is. This Vin becomes more skilled. Ellen technically, yes, did kind of become a super Mistborn out of nowhere, you know, kind of. But like my point is, is that like, the Mistborn were never nerfed. Like, okay, now we, you know, you know how you were able to use Duralamine before, and now we can't use that. Or, or like, here's this thing: they got mm-hmm. anti-Duralamine, you know, stuff. Technically, you got anti-Atium, which is like Electrum, sort of, but like, mm-hmm. eh, you know, it, it made sense. Um, but that culminates to this point where Vin becomes a god, essentially, you know, and starts just wailing on these inquisitors just make creating them like they're nothing levels an entire castle essentially with one push um like she is just becomes super powerful but you feel it because everything else has been so strong up to this point and so you can actually like appreciate like she isn't just like oh i'm just extra you know craning my squinting my eyes with my hand out I like she is legitimately extremely powerful. And again, it just gets built up and built up and built up and built up. Um, which I mean, one of my complaints about era two. Well, anyway, um, 
but this is one of the things that I, I go, this is why we said, like, this is where we wanted to start with the Cosmere. This is why, like, on the reading list, we say you should go in with uh, Mistborn because this kind of understanding of here is a story, here is a magic system, here is everything, like, starting to wrap up, and here are these payoffs where you get told the rules and you have to figure out the universe afterwards. They make sense. Mm-hmm. Well, all right. I mean, I think this is a good spot to end. And please, you know, we're we're you know we've been kind of erratic right now. Work's kicking our butts. It's still kicking our butts. It's not going to stop anytime soon. But hopefully next week, and if not next week, definitely the week after that. Please come back and join us as we finish Brendan Sanderson's Hero of Ages, the Mistborn trilogy as a whole, and we get a real wrap up episode for the trilogy. Our first ever timeline spoiler episode where we go a little bit more in depth on the actual cosmic implications please come back and join us hey everyone vod here please rate our podcast and follow us for regular episodes monday through friday if you enjoy listening consider subscribing we are a very small project so please support us with likes and comments you can find us on patreon at patreon.com slash ontos that's patreon.com slash o-n-t-o-s thanks again and remember Our sentience depends on you.